Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank descriptions of sex, and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy. Yes, mass. Ocean Samson moaned as the man above her slid his cock inside her just the right way. Her pussy walls contracted, trying their best to strangle the length of him, keeping him planted inside her, rubbing so deliciously over her G-spot. Oh, she couldn't remember how many times he'd made her cream all over him once they'd started this round. All she knew was that she could feel her next orgasm clawing at her again, her pussy lips so slick and swollen, each stroke making them sizzle with electricity. Let me watch you touch yourself while I fuck you, he whispered against her lips as he bent down to steal a kiss. Claire. <laughs> Neil. <laughs> that, is, that is far too explicit and spicy for this podcast. Uh... Also, that is the very beginning of the book. I know. <laughs> That's how the book starts. That is uh, that is how it's there's no spoilers here, my friends. That's how the book starts. Oh, goodness. Um We are already deep. <laughs> yeah, we are. Also, listeners, when I was like, That's too spicy, Christine shook her head and gave me a look like the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> anyway. Claire. Neil. We have to do our podcast. <gasps> our podcast. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Claire. And this is FMK Lit. Where we read two romance novels. A straight one and a queer one. And then we play Fuck, Mary Kill with the characters. We sure do. And as Claire alluded to at the beginning, spoilers. All the spoilers. So many spoilers. Spoilers forever. We cream these spoilers all over your ears. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Uh, because okay okay so the first thing that came to my mind was creamed spoilers like creamed spinach and so then imagining creamed spinach on my ears (laughs) and now i'm uncomfortable now you're uncomfortable yeah (laughs) that that lady having good sex no that's great creamed spinach in my ear makes me uncomfortable no no bueno (laughs) <laughs> anyway, so if you do care about spoilers, just go read the book. You you're this invested that you're like seeking out reviews. Just go read the book and then come back and talk to us. Yeah, yeah, uh, because we like being talked to. Um, mm-hmm. Although, like, and where and one of the ways that you can talk to us is through our Patreon. Bwah, bwah, bwah. If you join our Patreon, you can have conversations with us all the time. Uh, yeah. You just comment on things, you send us little messages, and we will contact you right back. Yeah, Patreon.com/slash/FMKLitPod. Yes, 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 yes. And we'd like to thank, of course, all of our patrons who enable us to do everything that we are doing right now, including creaming all over your ears. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Christine Claire. continues to be like, no, we're not doing this. This is not a thing we are doing. <laughs> this is not a recurring bit. This bit must live within the bounds of this episode and this episode only. <laughs> <laughs> and then watch it be our first batch of March. <laughs> anyway, oh my God, Claire. 
Yes. You picked you picked books. What did we read this time? Uh, well, today we picked, I picked Steel Hearts, Brothers in Blue, book one by Jason Collins and Betting the Enemy by LeQuette. And what was the theme, Claire? Uh, the theme was uh, mobsters or gangsters. Um and I also thought, that, and like, definitely enemies to lovers type of thing, but mm-hmm. gangsters. Great. Great, great, great. <laughs> I'm very excited to talk about all of that. But before we do, Claire, what has got uh-huh. you hot and bothered? Um, theater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, no, she could uh, go either way with this one. <laughs> but longtime listeners know that Neil and I have both uh, participated in and continue to participate in theater. But of course, over the last um, couple years, some crazy thing happened um, that shut down all of theater. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, who knows what it was exactly? Um, look, I'm not going to talk about it. We're not up on current events. So, <laughs> um, but all I can say is, theater is not quite back baby (laughs) but but it's on its way and uh neil and i have both been participating in theater recently which means we are both exhausted so tired but it also i feel fulfilled i feel like my heart is like happy and like it's exciting to be out doing the things again and producing theater and getting it out in front of the people like it's it's been really nice um and this podcast fulfills me in a lot of ways but also doing nerdy things like saying treading the boards also (laughs) makes me feel really pretty fucking happy Uh, fair 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 yeah i had forgotten how what tech week was like And I'm busy. I'm seepy. I had to, listeners, these are the sacrifices I make for you. As we are recording this, the show that we're working on opened last night. And of course, everyone went out to celebrate opening. I only had one drink before I came home because I had to work on my notes and save my voice. For all of you, dear listeners, you're welcome. (laughs) And there is a fun bar close to the theater so i hate it (laughs) i love that bar (laughs) i hate it is it because it's sticky no uh it's not even important i'll tell you in real life but (laughs) it's just like so straight that being inside of it feels like a hate crime (laughs) ah i see i see Uh, also i have baggage from like the first time i went from the old owners Ooh. It's a whole thing. Anyway. Uh my turn. I'm Indeed. taking over the conversation. My turn. The thing that has gotten me hot and bothered. Um I <laughs> keeping in theme with the theme of our episode, I stumbled on this uh article from Pink News from twenty nineteen. Mafia drops ban on homosexuality after discovering mob boss's son is a fabulous drag queen. Yeah. <laughs> So this is, so then of course I'm like, how do we know this? It's not, and then, and then along with the article is a picture of a man at a press conference. And I'm like, 
I know that the mafia boss didn't hold a press conference to be like, we're okay with the gays now. So in Southern Italy, the police officer or whatever, whose job it is to like keep tabs on the mafia has been spying on the mafia <laughs> and found out that they're okay with gays asterisks. And so he held a press conference to tell other people <laughs> that the secret information he got about the mafia, because the mob boss's son is a drag queen by the name of Lady Godiva. Ooh. And so now, uh, no one, there are not openly queer people in the upper ranks, but now the, the, like, the foot soldiers can be openly gay as long as they, quote, don't parade it around in public. Unlike their mafioso status, which they are welcome to parade <laughs> and, around in and public. By public, I think they mean, like, around other mafiosos. Because yeah. Anyway, it's it's I I'm not here trying to tell you that the mafia is suddenly queer friendly because it's not. It's just it was so amusing that we're like it was literally this morning I stumbled on this article headline this yeah this headline from this article, and I was like, great, we're reading mafia books, and now the mafia boss's son is a drag queen, and now I want that to be one of our romance novels, <laughs> and I, I want to read it. Oh, what a tangled web they weave. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel it, like the the gay drag queen book that we had read would have been a bit more exciting if he were from the mafia. Yes. Well, you know, Jason Collins, get on it. Jason, get on <laughs> it. Uh, should we talk about some books? Yeah, let's talk about some books. Steel Hearts, Brothers in Blue, Book One, by Jason Collins. This one might be a little long. Aiden, lying is part of my job. Falling in love with a criminal isn't. It's <laughs> really good, I like that. I finally landed the undercover assignment I've always wanted, taking down the local mafia branch from the inside. Then I meet Chris, my sharp-talking, gorgeous mentor. The Don assigned us a high-stakes heist on a jewelry store, and that makes a lot of time, and that means a lot of time together. Bad, bad idea. I'm already falling hard for him, and now I have to ruin his life. <laughs> Sorry, this is really good. <laughs> I'm so tired. Uh. Keep it all. Leave that all in. When the heist falls apart, thanks to yours truly, Chris is arrested along with the rest of the local mafia. That's when the surprise comes. He isn't what he seems. Oh, so they're just giving it away? Okay. Soon we're in the sights of a wrathful mafia, Don, and Chris and I have to learn to trust each other if we're going to survive. Chris, rule one in the mafia. Don't fall in love with another associate. But I've been breaking rules for a long time. My life has always been all work, no play. It rocketed me to the top in the Mafia and doomed my marriage to my ex-wife. Now that Aiden's been placed under my care, I wonder if she and I were always destined to fail. Every time I'm with Aiden, I can't help myself. We've been tasked with pulling off a heist together, but it feels like I'll go crazy if I don't touch him. When the local cops get wind of our plans, things get even more complicated. I'm not what I seem. 
Uh, Oh, God. Okay. That's a (laughs) perfect example of a point I want to bring up. I'm not what I seem, and I've been lying to everyone, including Aiden. This is the first book in the Brothers in Blue series. It can be read as a standalone with no cliffhanger. (laughs) Claire. Listeners, I don't know why that all just tickled me so. But it did. Um, Claire. Yeah. That's what it says the book is about. Uh Uh-huh. What is this book about? Okay. So I was a little trepidatious about reading books about cops because um, ever since the, well, you know. Ever since the inception of justice in America. Yeah, which was only, you know, uh, never. Um, So we've been iffy about doing cop stuff but i was like well there's gangsters involved so there's going to be some gray areas but let me just tell you what this is about bad cops who are bad at copping (laughs) oh my god (laughs) and it makes no sense so this isn't even imaginary cops i don't know aiden we start out this book he and a large number of police officers are pretending to be in a coffee shop um and being employees and customers at a coffee shop because the dawn of the local mafia apparently always gets his coffee at this one shop in the morning i do appreciate (laughs) that it made the comments like oh yeah all the people behind the counter were also cops because because the coffee slingers in this city don't get paid enough to deal with the trauma of a fake robbery i'm like yeah sure i appreciate that that care also real fast it never says what city we're in and it drove me fucking crazy yeah no same i i was like ah uh, like are we in like like at first i thought i was like well this would be good if it was like providence rhode island because like providence is a big you know is supposed to be a big mafia place but it's mm-hmm. also got this reputation as being like a big tiny town mm-hmm. and i thought oh like maybe that would be good but no i it said midwest and so i was like well it's not chicago because chicago is definitely where there's big mob ties but so the thing. it says that that aiden sounded like he was from the midwest but they didn't say that they were in the midwest well yeah but he also and then they said kept like saying back east right so like i don't know yeah, I don't. Well, because Chris kept saying he sounds like he's a he's a guy who's always lived here, like this is his hometown, which is why I thought Aiden, like Aiden, both sounds like he's from the Midwest and is actually presently in the Midwest. Oh, I don't know. I only bring it up, listeners, because it's like, oh, and then in this city, blah blah blah. They won't get my city. Like, they yeah, say yeah. this city all the time without actually saying the name of the city, and it just felt weird. Anyway. It also made me feel like this was, like, a super tiny town because uh, yeah. they lived very close to everywhere where they were. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a mansion that nobody suspected was, like, owned by the mafia. So I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, like, the suburb of the suburb of the suburb of, like, Milwaukee or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So anyway, so this dumb mafia boss apparently always has coffee at this one coffee shop first thing in the morning. And the dumb cops have decided that the best way to get our undercover officer into the mafia is to stage a robbery of a coffee shop 
and then to save him <laughs> in the middle of it to earn his trust. It was so dumb. Okay. So at the very beginning, when you're told that it's like a staged, like, okay, you know right away that it's a sting. And they're like, oh, they're going to like, you know, arrest him at the coffee shop. And then that's going to lead to further things. No, they staged a robbery so that Aiden, who also had to like cross the coffee shop to get to them to be like, hey, I know an emergency exit this way. And reading that, I'm like, okay, they're not thinking this. It would make sense if he also was at the thing waiting for his coffee order because that's where they ended up. So that he was standing right next to them already instead of having to cross the thing. Anyway, so then, yeah, it's like we're going to stage a robbery and expect that the John Carlo, is that his name? Yeah, yeah. John Carlo, the mafioso, will trust Aiden enough to save him, quote, save him from this like robbery where it's like, oh, they're like not, they don't know what they're doing. They're getting antsy, the robbers with the guns. So, like, who knows what's going to happen? To save him, and then from there be like, oh, you saved my life, so here's a job. Which is exactly what happened, and it's just like, so many things could have gone wrong. This well, and a here's bad the other plan. thing. Yeah, no, in addition to that, so Chris is the, the Don's bodyguard and chauffeur. So, like, it's his job to, to bodyguard. And so as soon as Chris walks out of the, the car and opens the door for the mafioso boss, immediately Aiden is just a full on sex fantasy. He's like, mm -hmm. just, he's like, that guy is hot. And now I'm imagining him walking up to me, pushing me against this wall, bending me over. We're suddenly naked, just like the way you are in fantasies, which is a line I did appreciate. And then, yeah. um, and then he's just fucking pounding me. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, dude, you got to get your head in the game. Uh... <laughs> I will say, though, because I read this book second, and now that we know how the other book starts, since you read it at the beginning, I was like, oh, great, sex right off the bat. And then I was reading this, I was like, oh, he found a way to get sex pretty soon in there. I was like, I appreciated it. Good job. I agree. I also appreciate it. And it was also hot. So, like, it's not that it wasn't. It was just funny because the stakes <laughs> are so high. <laughs> <laughs> you need to pay attention to what's happening around you. All oh. I kept thinking was, like, this operation costs so much money. <laughs> so much money. For and a so local police department. And... He, we find out later that he's the only undercover cop, so they've never done it before, which further leads me to believe that this is like, I don't know, tiny town Wisconsin. Yeah, they, like they're just fucking around here because also they obviously haven't done any of their research because he's like, oh, look at that guy getting out of the car. Obviously, he's the bodyguard. And I'm like, you haven't been following you just said you've been following them around you know this guy's schedule so well surely you've done backup work to find out who the people are who are surrounding him oh no you've decided not to do that so genuinely the first time we meet chris is also the first time aiden has ever even known this person existed <laughs> obviously this operation has already gone downhill yeah um but it works yeah Aiden uh, is given a card by the mafioso that just has the mafioso's name on it. No contact information. And it we are an, never told how Aiden gets in contact with him later. It had an address. 
Oh, it and it was did, like, just show did. up here. Just show up at some point in the future. Whenever, whenever you feel like it, just show up and hope that you don't get murdered. Like, yeah. If but a mafioso a was like, come to this address, I'd be like, no, thank you. <laughs> anyway, but he gets a job interview and he gets the job. And um, and then he's assigned to Chris <clears throat> to and immediately like told, oh, we're doing a big heist. So uh, Chris here and you are going to work together on it. And I was like, that's dumb. Why would your bodyguard leave you? Because <laughs> he's also the second in command, but also the bodyguard. Right. It was like Chris is a lot on his shoulders um, in this like I mean, mob that he also be- thinks is a bad mob. Yeah. To be fair, it, the narration tells us constantly that Giancarlo barely knows what he's doing. And every person that he hires is an idiot. That's true. And I thought that was and that was also kind of why Aiden was the like Aiden and his team were going after him because they're like, this is the weak link. So we'll Mm -hmm. be able to get him. So they knew they were dumb cops and thought, well, here's the dumbest of the mafiosos. We should be able to get this guy. Um, (laughs) So, so then Chris and Aiden are assigned to do stakeouts on the, um, on the jewelry store that they're going to rob. Here's Mm -hmm. the thing. One, this is a fantastic setup for what is ends up being a lot of like fake dates and mm-hmm. a lot of like time together. Like it's mm-hmm. a perfect, I'm going to give it to the author. Like this is a perfect forced, um, forced like proximity situation. Mm-hmm. And they have to be at this restaurant that's across the street from the jewelry store. So they look like a couple all the time. They're spending a lot of time together. They're eating food. They have to plan a lot of things. They go to a nicer restaurants because they get tired of the salads that are at this like restaurant restaurant that they're at they have to go into the jewelry store to case it so they talk about like engagement rings like it's fucking adorable good job jason collins um here's the problem though i have never seen a mob movie where they're like our crime is going to be just fucking robbing this place And not because they have something cool in the back that's secret and more cool than just the jewelry. No, we're just going after the rich stuff. Like, that's not... I mean, the, what's cool about the mobs is it's fucking organized crime. Like, it's 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 an operation. Like, they'd be the ones who are bringing in the blood diamonds. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. that's what... You know, they're bringing in guns to do stuff. It's the lower-level jackholes that are doing things like smash and grabs. They're the ones who are doing the higher-level shit. Like, that's what's fun about the mob. <laughs> hmm but no, we're really just going to, and they, and like, at first I thought, oh, well, they're casing the joint, so they're going to, like, learn about it. No, they literally are just going to go, like, I don't even know why they had to, like, do any of the surveillance. Uh, they literally are just going to go in, smash and grab, and then uh, threaten the employees to give them the, the code to the to the safe Mm -hmm. like it was like oh you could have done that any day like (laughs) they were able to get the blueprints for the store from city hall right like great we know where the vault is anyone can just go find where the vault is at this place yeah so it wasn't like hard um (laughs) but like it's hard (laughs) but (laughs) by comparison the um article that i cited in my hot and bothered the particular family that lady godiva belongs to um they are suspected of being responsible for 80 percent of the cocaine trade in europe oh 
that is organized. That requires a lot of organizational skills. Yeah. And to a not lot of get project caught. management. Yeah, so much. <laughs> so much project management. Um, international shipping is involved in that. There's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, so um, this was not like an impressive crime to me. They- <laughs> Fair. And then um, it was like, and then the plan was to like interrupt, the, to like, catch them in the act even though they knew that Giancarlo wasn't going to be there which was weird right I do have to say something that I really enjoyed so um on like the second page we get introduced to his cousin and fellow cop gray and I was like oh this is book two isn't it it is and then we are introduced to yet another cop cousin Thomas I was like oh is he book three he is book three um and one thing that I think Gray and Aiden had planned out well was to update the police force. Uh, Aiden saved Gray's phone, his contact in his phone as mom. And then they would use this like coded language. Like when he, when he needed to, when Gray needed to call Aiden for an emergency meeting, he's like, Oh, you never see, you never come visit your mother anymore or anything like that. And so they, it was like, (laughs) they would use the code and then Gray would throw in like, kissy face emojis just to be an asshole and some other and and there was one it was like uh like there was a code that's like oh what's father's birthday again oh it's august 2nd and like that meant something and then just to be an asshole he added silly goose and i'm like good job like that i enjoyed i enjoyed that interaction between them a lot it was really fun I did too. I also enjoyed that. What I did not enjoy was the constant explaining that what they're doing is talking in code. I was like, oh, no, I get it. I get that this man, who is your cousin, is actually also a fellow cop with you, and you have to check in with him, and so you're using code. And you could have said that all the first time you interacted. You didn't need to say it every time. The the book (laughs) tells us, like, eight times, my fellow cops and cousins, Gray and Thomas. Gray and Thomas, my cousins, who are also cops. I'm like, you don't have to reintroduce characters every single time. Goodness. Yeah. No, Same with not... Lucy, his boss, Lucy, his supervisor, Lucy, Lucy, the supervisor. Lucy was also great. We'll get to her later, but I love yes. Lucy. So, so, um, the thing is while they're casing the joint, that's when they also have their first sexy fun times. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and here's a the thing J. that I don't want to get into too much cause we get into it every time, but which is guess what? Chris didn't know he was gay. Why is he having attractions to this man? A man is not a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, like all I kept thinking was that everyone seems going to say, why do I like Aiden? Aiden don't have tits. Me likey tits. (laughs) Wait, me no likey tits. (laughs) Tits are rules. If Aiden were a woman, I'd consider myself attracted to him, but he's not. So I'm not. At least that's what I told myself. That's almost a direct quote. So here's the thing, like it like it doesn't affect anything. Like no. we're inside Chris's head when he's dealing with that. It takes like a paragraph for him to suddenly be fine with it. So like on top of I mean, yes, yes. 
some people, it takes them a while to realize their sexual identity and that is perfectly valid in experience. But also like, it seems to happen a lot. Um, and then it doesn't affect, it doesn't affect the narrative at all. Like it's nothing that they have to struggle with as a couple. It's nothing that Chris really struggles with in himself. So it doesn't add anything to the plot other than this like really weird fantasy of like, Oh, Hey, maybe you'll get to fuck a straight guy, which is like, to me, very dated, like a very dated queer fantasy. And then also gross. It, anyway, that's that. Yeah. Yeah. Those were, those were my exact feelings. Um, yeah, I, uh, anyway, they fall in love right away because they're two hot people who have sex with each other and thus they must be in love. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so <laughs> Aiden, no have tits. <laughs> Me like your tits. <laughs> Uh, um, <laughs> no, so then they do the heist and Aiden pulls the alarm even though I was like why do you need to pull the alarm honestly the cops could just show up they know you're there <laughs> like, yeah 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 um, and then also like I said why arrest them I mean I guess the idea was to like have them rat out Giancarlo I guess yeah, but that was never offered to any of them. Like, we never saw nope. that part of the plan enacted. So after they arrest him, and then, like, right away, they pull Aiden out. They're like, oh, you've been bailed out. And he's like, cool, see ya, peace. And Chris is like, wait. Uh, we had, there's no, there, like, he's like, I know how bail bondsmen work. There's literally not even time to have walked into a shop to talk to one, <laughs> much less be able to pay bail. Like what and so chris starts feeling weird about this whole situation aiden's a dum-dum and he's just like "Mm, did it i did my undercover job i guess i'm going back home and the police are like yeah see ya bud good job i don't know what the point of anything that we did was (laughs) because i guess we've arrested low-level secondary chris for no reason and we're not even going to talk to him about it so cool beans um And then Chris gets bailed out, and here's the twist. Here's the twist. Chris is in the FBI and is actually also undercover. (laughs) I saw that coming at 20% into the book. (laughs) There's a point at the very, like, there's a point at 20% in where Chris was like, I have secrets that could endanger the lives of everyone I know or something like that. I was like, oh, he's in the FBI. That's why so i knew right away i i didn't think he was in the fbi until right right during the jewelry heist in their heads they both referred to all the other bros that they were heisting this jewelry shop with as henchmen (laughs) i was like oh (laughs) you're also in the fbi (laughs) (laughs) who's like my fellow henchmen (laughs) hello henchmen <laughs> and then they also used words wrong, which is weird. He's like, "Oh man, you know this guy is just our bag man. You know, you so you know you don't have to be the bag man, which is the guy who puts the jewelry in the bag." I was like, "That's not what the bag man is." <laughs> that's not a bag man. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah, that's, that's the guy who walks the money from one place to another and isn't part. 
part of any of the other rest of the crime. <laughs> the big man. <laughs> oh my god. I was just like, what? <laughs> I'm just gonna go into this jewelry shop, steal everything, and put it in the bag. I'm the big man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, Chris is in the FBI and he meets up with his handler. Lucy. Who's like, who's who's like the fucking Lucy. dumb cops fucked everything up. Your cover's blown <laughs> because the cops were pulling an operation and we didn't know about it. The dumb dumbs just went in there and decided to hang out for a while and now they're done too. So I don't even know what they were there for. Lucy says all this and I was like, girl, you're my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> And Chris is like, oh, I knew there was something wrong with Aiden. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I feel like you could have called that he was a cop because he kept asking you intrusive questions right away. <laughs> like, his first question to you at headquarters was like, so what crime are we going to do? <laughs> his next question was practically, what crime have you done? <laughs> Tell me about the crimes we do. I'm just going to stretch and push my chest towards your mouth. But talk, just talk. Tell me, tell me about the crimes, fellow henchman. <laughs> also, tell me about the crimes of Don Carlo here. What has he done? Tell me about crimes. <laughs> and and Chris is like, oh, I knew it was weird. He asked me about crimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's just it was so dumb and so funny and. Oh, it just cracked my shit up. So what happens next, Claire? So anyway, um, <laughs> for some reason, Don Carlo catches on. So this was one of the funniest things because Chris kept saying over and over the the Don guy is um, paranoid. He's he thinks that everybody's out to get him, and I was like, he was correct. <laughs> Like, that's not paranoia. That's being correct. <laughs> You're in the FBI. This other dude was a police officer. All the people doing his crimes are just trying to catch him doing a crime. <laughs> there were more cops than henchmen at that crime. He's <laughs> like, everyone I hires on the very first day keeps asking me about crimes. It's so weird. And then I kept thinking to myself, okay, so these two police officers were casing the joint for a week, and then their whole plan was a smashing crap. <laughs> like, all of the access to information they had, and they're like, this is the best we can do. <laughs> Goodness. So anyway, so Chris's, uh, Chris's, uh, I, you know, like cover might be blown. They don't know for sure, but they got to get him out of there. Um, Aiden is job is done. So he wasn't going to do any more anyway. He's going on vacation for the day. And then Lucy realizes or finds out that Don Carlo figured out that there was something fishy going on and thinks the FBI has cottoned on to him. So he wants to put a hit out. And they think it's against Aiden. It might be against Chris. They don't know. Both of them have to go into a safe house. 
so for a couple weeks they get to live in domestic bliss uh totally and of course, alone just right. fucking each other and having a great time right away on the way in lucy's like i'm sorry but you're gonna have to share the master bedroom with the the cop who's in trouble because there aren't enough bedrooms in the safe house this what a trope and, and chris, what a trope there's not enough beds oh my god and chris on the outside is like i understand but on the inside he's like oh darn <laughs> and then i did enjoy that the you know like aiden had the thought he's like nobody said anything but they're fbi agents they know we're fucking right it's like yes we all know <sighs> there was so, a really fun scene that I would like to uh, read a passage from in the safe house because, of course, there's a, like a giant bathtub in the master bathroom, <laughs> all to course. themselves. Um, and in this one bedroom house, in this one bedroom, <laughs> and the, so they decide to to draw a bath, and they. <laughs> This moment was so dumb, but I loved it. They had they were having this sexy topic talk about like using the the bath. They're like, "Oh, how hot do you want it? As hot as you can give it to me." You know, just like talking about the water, but also talking about fucking each other. And then there's this moment where Aiden's like, he puts his foot in it. And it's like I might have gotten a little cocky talking about how hot I wanted the water. This water is very hot. <laughs> and then they adjust, and then they fuck in the tub, and it was just like. The moment was so dumb, but it was so fun. Like, it was kind of charming in a way. And no, it was. And I will have to say, like, Ooh. these two men, just when they weren't being police officers, were charming. And, mm -hmm. like, I was totally fine with them as a couple. Like, the, you know, like, on a, like again, outside of the cop stuff, I was like, fine. Yeah, these two guys can get it on. Cool. Have fun. They seem like nice dudes. Mm -hmm. um, the thing that, like, but... <sighs> So, Chris, because we, we see a scene where John Carlo shows up at Aiden's apartment and it's like, you're a fed, I'm going to kill you. And then his cousins, Gray and Thomas, who are also police officers, his fellow police officers, Gray and Thomas, who are his cousins, <laughs> uh, Gray and Thomas, police officers who are also his cousins. Wait, 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 wait. Yes. Gray and Thomas, who the the police officers. Who are also his cousins. Right, 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 right. Got it. Right, right, right. They show up at his apartment and rescue him. So they so they they know that John Carlo knows that there's a that there was an undercover Fed agent, but he thinks that it's Aiden. And so they pulled Chris out just to be safe. But then we find out later that Don John Carlo had no idea that Chris was an agent also. And like John Carlo never contacts Chris in the like two, three weeks, whatever, that they're in the safe house. And then it says later, it's like, oh, it must have been because he was paranoid or thought that I did a bad job. So he cut me off or whatever. I'm like, you didn't think it through, buddy. That's what that is. Yeah. Yeah. So and then um, the reason Don Carlo finds Aiden and Chris. Is this was also very dumb. I was angry about this was that. Aiden decides to use his burner phone to call his cousins because they're sort of updated that his, Who are his cousins, cousins uh, Gray and Thomas, they're okay. also the cops. They're also the cops that went and saved him later. Okay, so, okay, but his okay. cousins, Gray and Thomas, the cops, yes. um, 
are also in danger and may have targets against them. So mm-hmm. he wants to contact them to let them know. So he takes up the burner phone, turns it on, texts them real quick, or calls them real quick, and then hangs up. And then, of course, Don and Carlo then, comes and finds them. I, but but he, also, sorry, really fast. This was, like, so suspicious and obscene in a way that Gray was like, what's the address of the safe house? I know. I was like, so was at like, that point, I understood that Gray and Thomas, the cousins who are also cops, would mm-hmm. be the next romantic heroes in the next books. Yeah. But I was like, um, this is the perfect setup for them to be the ones who are the moles in the police department. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like, like this is actually a good twist that would yeah. like make total sense and that they've been working with the Don the whole time and the Don was just like wanting to get further information and I was like this is great and then no that's it was that the Don just had the phone tapped and it was like first of all the reason that they are burner phones is cuz they are very hard to tap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um you can't just tap a phone that's a burner phone. Like, it's hard. You gotta also, work at that shit. Also, what also drove me crazy is that Aiden's the one who's like, oh, I, like, after they catch John Carlo after he shows up, he's like, oh, I called someone. He must have had my phone tapped because of this and this. I'm like, what? If you knew that was a possibility, why did you use the phone and tell your cousins, Gray and Thomas, who are also cops, the address of the safe house like right surely you could have used a code or like oh that neighborhood where we used to play with pd mcgee it's that big house on the corner or why even put in the line it was weird that my cousin gray asked me for the address but i gave it to him which is literally a line in the book yeah anyway the don carlo comes there's kind of a shootout but not really and it's fine later (laughs) (laughs) and then it's fine later well see because this this part of the end didn't make any sense to me so they whisk aiden and chris apart from each other because they're cops from different agencies and you know somebody's going undercover again maybe and there's chris kind of wants to go back into the life but lucy's like you actually don't want that like you've been running your whole life like part of me was also thinking it was like also there's no way he could now like yeah his cover is a balloon balloon um there's a point where lucy's like maybe you shouldn't keep doing this it's like this is my like this is my life this is my work i like sacrificed a marriage because of it like i've put so much into it and she's like yeah that thing you just said maybe that's why you shouldn't do it anymore i'm like good job lucy yeah no exactly um and then he decides for unknown and unexplained reasons to not contact aiden because he's just so busy he's so busy and so aiden finally reaches out to chris and it's like three months isn't it it's a long time and he's he's like just so busy and he's like why didn't you contact me and chris is like why don't we just go back to my apartment wherein they tell each other they love each other and then we get a year later they've been together and the don is going to jail for attempted murder on a federal agent (laughs) (laughs) yay they caught him in a crime finally by being the crime and (laughs) by being dumb and taking the tapped burner phone and saying this is the address of the fbi safe house cousin gray who is also a police officer Oh, um, yeah. And they're just sitting around watching the watching the 
the uh, the trial like it's a Super Bowl, and mm-hmm. uh, this line pissed me off for yes, reasons that are dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Gray, who's a cousin, who's a police officer, mm-hmm. asks Aiden, um, "Hey, can I get a beer?" And Aiden is like, "Dumb question. Of course you can. My refrigerator is full of beers because Chris and I like to entertain." <laughs> I was like, what? Why are we saying all these things? Let's give him a beer, man. (laughs) I don't give a shit if you entertain. I don't care. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway. (laughs) Happily ever after. (laughs) Yeah. I have like three tiny things. And then that's pretty much all I have to say. Um. There's some, there are some weirdly constructed sentences in this book. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, I was the one who was at the mercy of him. <laughs> what? Um, also, I'd like to read a sentence. This is, this is, again, Neil being ridiculous about grammar. Soon, we would compile all our notes and turn them into Giancarlo. But it wasn't in... Two, it was the single word into. So I imagine they make like a Giancarlo snowman out of all of their notes. We're compiling them into Giancarlo. <laughs> and then there was another moment um, where uh, it says, this is them making out. Now his hands came around and slid under the hems of my jeans to cut my bare butt cheeks. <laughs> So I imagine he's just shoving his arms straight up the pant legs. <laughs> and then I don't know why, but I imagine them both being like, <laughs> but like, like, I need to get to that butt. It's a waistline. No, no, no. That's not enough of a challenge. Let me just shove my arms, which are probably shorter than his legs, up the hems of his jeans. Touch his butt. <laughs> what oh is happening? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you like this, baby? <laughs> but then, of course, like, the, I imagine, too, just like he gets to, he has to finagle it so that his shoulder is at his knees and like the paint leg is like bunched up on his arm and it's just, nobody can move. It's so uncomfortable, but they're just staring at each other being like, honk, honk on his butt cheek. Steel Hearts, Brothers in Blue, Book One. By Jason Collins. <laughs> Betting the Enemy. By Laquette. Masaki Yamaguchi has lived under one rule. Bend the world to your will and break those that refuse to comply. This motto has served him well as the head of the Yakuza family in Brooklyn. 
However, when he meets the soulful beauty with locks from Brownsville with her own set of rules, things aren't as clear or as easy as they used to be. Oshun Sampson has worked hard to clean up her beloved Brownsville, Brooklyn. She sacrificed everything, including her own happiness for the cause. She'll be damned if she allows anyone the chance to destroy the progress she's, she and her community have made. With the looming threat of the Yakuza family closing in and this sexy new patron with captivating eyes is dangerous distraction she can't afford. Two powerful leaders, one with distinct line, uh, with one distinct line drawn between them. Will their passion be enough to hold them together, or will betting the enemy result in a bloody war that tears them and their communities apart? First appearing as a snippet in the Breaking Bad 14 Tales of Lawless Love uh, box set, betting the enemy has been expanded to a 40,000 word, 40, word novella. If quick, dirty, and intense reads are your thing, betting the enemy is the novella for you and that's what that book says it's about <laughs> neil yeah is that what that book was about i feel like the back of this book leads out one very important detail yes yes it does oshun is also a crime boss yes this is not like a community. It's a mob. Like it's, it's, it is. And she's so, the head of a real mob. Yes. Not the mob we just read about <laughs> that just does smash and grabs. Like, yeah. So, this is a organized crime. Yeah, okay. So, okay. Listen, I don't know much about organized crime, but some of this seemed a little far-fetched to me. Maybe. But I will also say, uh, from reading the back of this book, I genuinely thought she was like a community organizer. I thought which, she was an activist <laughs> that worked for a nonprofit. <laughs> like, I mean, it's a for profit, but he, okay. 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 So, Oshun, whose dad was a crime boss, also. So, she grew up in the life in, she's in Brownsville, Brooklyn, and basically she gets all the various crime bosses in the area together and is like hey i have a plan if we form this council and we are smart about it one we can improve our neighborhood and our community which will bring in more money and two we'll make more money so like one person is involved of like the sex work and then it's like oh yeah we'll make sure that the girls are taken care of and that like they are safe and blah 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 and like there's uh, Oshun does like money laundering and something else. And it has worked that like they've uplifted the community, but then also this particular council. <laughs> okay. The council initiated programs geared to teach skills to the unemployed and undereducated. They'd sponsored grants designed to place competitive tools in their schools and provided opportunities for residents to attend college and start businesses within the community. <laughs> that to me, <laughs> Well, very noble. Seems a bit far-fetched. Let's say, okay, so, th like, imagine, imagine that you are the principal okay, of Okay, well, Neil, yes. surprise. Uh, this is actually how the mob works. Oh, my God, really? Yeah, no, this is 100% what the mob does. Like, this is why the mob is insidious, too. Because, oh. like, they do have, well, importantly, when the mob, <clears throat> when the mob that had come from places 
Italy and those those places like Italy itself, as you know, used to be city states. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a single country, and those were run by like practically warlords. Mm-hmm. So what was and those warlords kind of more or less did become the mafia bosses when Italy did end up starting to become one place. This is like this is a bare bones like sort of recitation of a very long and in depth history. <clears throat> And so when the wars came to Europe and there was a lot of moving over to the United States, there was a deep racism against the immigrants that were coming in from Italy, but from the other places as well. So, but what Italy imported was a system of self-policing that they already had. Um, So the mafia bosses who were coming over were community leaders in a lot of way. Um, The police in the United States and in, you know, Places like Providence and New York and Chicago did not give a shit about the Italians and were perfectly happy to have anybody local not give them jobs, beat the crap out of them, do whatever. So these mobs started as two things. One, to help uplift their own community, to give their own community jobs, places to work and to police their own community and to protect them against the outside forces. Mm -hmm. Also to bring in things that were... Uh, contraband like olive oil and things that they mm-hmm. could sell here both to their own community and outside and then and then they grew bigger and deeper when things like you know uh, you know they you made all liquor illegal mm-hmm. and then there was another thing that they already had the structure to to do so mm-hmm. a lot of these um these things like they do actually put in a lot of money into schools they do actually raise up a lot of it is often just their own people like they're not doing it for the larger community Mm -hmm. but yeah they do all these things like they're um uh getting grants and things from the government is a one a way to launder some money Mm, but also mm -hmm. like so what you can do so they're paying off people at the top who give these grants these grants go into the schools so it looks like that they're like helping the schools along which they are but then they're also putting money in the pockets of lots of different people along the way so yes no actually that is actually a really good like like I think in some ways it's a fantasy way in which a community can use what the government states as crime to really actually build itself up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a fantasy version of it, but it is actually also how organized crime works. Okay. Which I found fascinating. I, I love just it. find it the mental image of like two men in suits, like pinstripe suits with toothpicks in their mouths walking into an elementary school and be like, hey, we got you these tablets. They fell off the back of a truck. (laughs) Very silly. It's very silly in my brain. Anyway, um, so also it is very important to note. So Oshun and Masaki met when he was at a bar in Brownsville and it he assumed that Oshun worked there. Or maybe she was just there. Oh, I think she was just there. And then she later told him that she worked there as like a cover story. The name of the bar, which is also like where the council, the crime council meets. The name of the bar is Heaven's Gate. (laughs) And I was like, that is uh, not a good choice. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Heaven's Gate. You'll never leave. I mean, never want to leave. Um, So... Yeah, so I found it interesting 
right off the bat, Masaki and Oshun are like, they're already in it. Like they started out as a one-time thing and now they're just like fuck buddies and they just fuck all the time. Oh and then, yeah, man. And they do it for the first four pages of this book. Mm-hmm. And then Masaki's like, Hey, I got you a present. Here's a key to my apartment. Since you are here all the time, I might as well just like, you know, it's just like, I can't, I can't date because of my life. My life doesn't allow me to date. And in his mind, he's like, you're a waitress what the fuck are you talking about um but and then we find out that she's also a crime boss and she's like no i can't date people i have to keep them separate from my life because it's very very dangerous and i don't want people i care about to die i'm like oh that's very fair so and then there's a fire in um in her neighborhood and it seems like the local the like yakuza who've been sort of like stepping over their boundaries into her territory it seemed like they are the ones who who caused the fire and she's like "Mm, that's interesting and then masaki's at the fire and she's like that's weird what is he doing here and he's like what are you doing she's like oh well you know my bar's just right there um and it's like okay so then she looks into him and then she she discovers that he owns a company that has connections to the yakuza so she's like but he's he's not he's not in the yakuza i don't no he's not i don't want that to be true and then meanwhile he's the head of the local yakuza so then finally um she hears from her second in command that uh the yakuza want to set up this like sort of treaty thing or like conversations and she's like okay and then so she gets led into the back room of this diner and then masaki's there with his second in command and the like how they handled it that like both of them were like you could see on their faces just like holy fuck but then they didn't say anything about it until until masaki was like oh hey seconds in command you can leave now we're gonna talk and then like it, it was that tension was really good and then he's like what the fuck? And she's like, well, what the fuck you? And then they sort of like talk through it. And um, I think through this book, the tension between them was done really well about them, like keeping secrets from each other and like trying to figure out how to fit someone into their lives. And I thought there's this really interesting moment later on where Oshun has this realization of like, Oh, I actually can be with Misaki. I don't have to hide my life from him because he's also a crime boss so i don't have to pretend like i'm not a crime boss so we're actually perfect this is actually great like this this situation like is allowing me to fall in love with him and i thought that was really well done i did too i really i really like that part very much and i also enjoyed so the last book's twist was that they were both cops and this book's twist was that they were both in the mob. <laughs> that was really funny mm-hmm. that this was not something I expected from either book, to right. be honest, by picking them. And I just enjoyed that we ended up putting them against each other. And I thought that was kind of fabulous. But um, we still ended up with the appropriate number of mobsters and cops by the end of the book. Yes, books. yes, yes. <laughs> we still ended up with the right number. Yeah. Um, one of the other things I really liked about this book is that I found so sexy was honestly it was so sexy every time um masaki like references 
Oshun's like pussy. He says, my pussy, bring my pussy here. And like, uh, I fucking loved it. Like (laughs) it was, and like, and she would say in her head, she's like, I would never let anybody claim me by saying that any part of my body was theirs, but this is hot. (laughs) (laughs) And like, there was also, I thought a really good balance in that this book didn't have jealousy. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, this, none of the other things that we normally see in books about claiming somebody, like Mm -hmm. he would say, she's mine and I want to protect her. But there was never a moment where he's like, you can't go outside. You know, like it was. He had, at the beginning, he did have this weird thing where like, after she's like, I can't move in with you. Bye. That he was like, oh, well, if she wants me to treat her like some trick, then I'm going to do it. And if she's with some other guy, I'm going to tell show him what it means when somebody plays with my things or something like that. He has this weird moment. But then it never comes up again because like their, their sex is pretty aggressive. But then he's also, he always will like cuddle her after and sort of like, there's lots of aftercare also. Yeah. So I'm like, he, he's not, he's actually not like jealous and possessive beyond it being part of their sex. Yeah. Except for that weird moment towards the beginning. And I think it was just like, oh, let's establish the trope of the jealous possessive guy, even though he's not those I things? guess so. It didn't feel that way to me in some ways because even he said it then and she says it later that he gets he has flash anger like he'll mm. get angry really fast and then he has to kind of cool down and he'll think about things. Mm-hmm. And so what that felt to me like both in the moment and later in the explanation was that uh, he was angry and he said something hurtful that he didn't mean to himself about her in mm. the moment because he was angry and hurt. And then he pulled back on it and he was like, that's, that's not how I treat anybody. <laughs> like I've never treated not, any woman that way. I don't actually right, want yeah. to treat her that way. It's just uh, angry. because <laughs> I like her a lot. <laughs> yeah. And so I really liked that. And then in the moment, even he says it was unreasonable. And again, like it was really sexy. Like, cause I feel like, I feel like it's so rare to read in a book, a man claiming uh, a, like uh like like say he'll say something like aggressive like mean like that's my pussy and you don't nobody else gets to touch it like in a way that's outside their sex like you said Mm -hmm. but when he said it in the moment of the heat of passion like it did feel like i know it didn't feel like claiming it felt like we're both going to get off really well right now. Mm -hmm. And like, it was just great and really sexy and good sex talk that I, that I think we don't read a lot in these books as much as you would hope. But I really liked that. Uh, So back to plot. Um, He, I also forgot to mention there's a scene um, after the fire that his, like the Yakuza accountant, um, Seth Stein, yeah. Uh, picks them up and they like talk about what's going on. Anyway, so then we cut to uh, Mass and Oshun are in the back of this diner and they're like, and then the power goes out and they're like, this isn't correct. This is not a correct thing that's happening. And then they're both pretty smart about like how to proceed from there and they like listen at the door and they hear that people are being cleared out of the diner and they're like, oh, this is a hit. We got brought to this place because people are trying to murder us. Um, so then uh, they are able to sneak out of the diner. They find that it's each of theirs second in command working together to try and kill them. And then Oshun and Mass are able to kill them. 
but in the process, Oshun gets hit with a bullet. And so I was like, immediately, I was like, they have to go under underground together. They have to have lots of forced proximity while they figure out what's going on. And I'm very excited for that. Um, they get whisked away to a house in the woods. And then six weeks later, they start talking again. It's like the whole recovery period just doesn't happen like it all happens off off screen and i was really upset yeah because it was there was going to be i was looking forward to so many romantic slow Mm -hmm. moments between the two of them like Mm -hmm. moments where they couldn't have sex so that could not be their only interaction Mm -hmm. and they had to be gentle with each other to talk things out but also like I mean, here's where you bring in the bathtub. Like, she can't have sex, so he, like, gently cleans her, you know? And, like, and then gets her off in the mirror. Picks her, yeah, well, yeah, but also <laughs> picks her up with his big, strong arms and carries her to bed and, like, tells her stories about his life, you know? Like, that's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, we're just going to skip that part. Yep. But we're going to skip that part because all the rest of these chapters have to end with the line, then you and me, baby, are going to kill them all. <laughs> I was, I was alarmed. I mean, and they said that so many times. So many times, like, finally, we get to kill them all. Who's them? Who are these them's? What are you talking about? Who, who you? At this point, there's nobody that we're upset about other than the people that you killed. But who's them? All, all of them? them? All of the people? Oof. Um, so many times this was said, and then. What are we going to do then? Oh, then we're going to kill them all. That's right, baby. We're going to kill them all. Like, oh, God, why? <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe it is appropriate that the name of the bar is Heaven's Gate. Maybe. Um, uh, so, yeah. And then another thing that irked me, this is like a tiny thing that like we cut to six weeks later when Oshun is like mostly uh, recovered. And and it was bad, like a, a lung was punctured. It was a it was it was a bad shot. Um, well, it was a good shot. It was a bad injury. Um, and then they're like, yeah, uh, yeah. Masaki's like, yeah, I've been thinking about it. And like, these are my theories. And I was like, you didn't have this conversation for six weeks. It's been six <laughs> weeks, and you're just now having this conversation. So it it felt like that six weeks just didn't happen. Like they just existed in stasis for six weeks and then the narrative picked up again it's like okay so that was a little and i i'm only disappointed about it because i wanted them to have to go to i have to go underground together like the um the vampire book where they literally had to go underground i wanted something like that where it's like the two of them she's injured but not like fatally injured so they have to sort of like you know he has to tend to her wound and like help her keep up but then they have to solve this thing and they don't know who they can trust and blah 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 so then um ocean gets a call from her dad and he's like well the safe house got hit oh because also um they knew Oshun and Masaki knew that they would probably go after his mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so they put her in a safe house. And then um, Oshun's dad calls him and was like, oh, yeah, they hit the safe house, but the decoy safe house. And only one other person knew about it. 
and you know what that means. And then the narrative goes out of its way to tell us that they know who it is, but they're not telling us, the reader, who it is. But let me, Well, obviously, it's Seth Stein, because that's the only other <laughs> character we've been introduced to this whole book. Yeah, that's the only other name we know. That's, it's obviously Seth Stein. Yeah, and so then they do things, and it, it was... Oh, and then she was like, I have a plan to, like, bring him down. And then they involve the police. I don't know why. And then um, her friend, oh my God, this was bonkers. Captain Hart Mackenzie Serlington. Yeah. <laughs> that is one person's name. <laughs> um, so they get involved. And I did enjoy that, like, I kind of enjoyed the, like, Oshun and Hart's um, relationship. And that they, like, grew up going to church together. So they are, like, lifetime friends. But she's a cop and she's a mobster. So they, like... They can't be close friends and there's this tension between them. And that was kind of fun. And then also like Masaki having to work with cops and like that tension with him in him of like, I inherently don't trust them, but I do trust Oshun. So I have to go with this plan, but I don't like it. And like, that was fun. But then in the final standoff, and I'll get to Seth's motivations in a bit because yes, they're dumb, but also the best. They're crazy. <laughs> um, and it gets to the final standoff and like there's Seth, there's another guy, right? Some like rando and like, it seems like there's nothing more they can do. And then the cops come in and shoot Seth. Yeah. And I'm like, it, like, why were the cops even there? Why did we even have police officers? Because this whole time, Misaki has been like, finally we get to kill them all. They didn't, they didn't get to kill anyone other than Izzy and Aesop. Right. So like, and the cops surely. did it in the end to save the gangsters from having to murder somebody. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a weird precedent. So, <laughs> it felt so weird. And, and I was like, like, why can't we just have the cops on, on her payroll? Like, also, why do we need the cops at all? No, we don't. If I'm okay, if well, I'm, I know why we need them, because uh, there's another romance book out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is it about Captain Hart Mackenzie Serling? I mean, it better be. Otherwise, like, why? <laughs> <laughs> With a name like that. Um, okay. If I'm consuming a piece of media where two mob bosses who were at one point enemies, but also lovers are trying to figure like, ferret out moles in their organizations to uncover conspiracy to kill them i want them to do it themselves <laughs> yeah i want to like go through the underground with them and see them use their connections and be good at being monsters because we know that they are but then they just have the cops do everything for them and it was very unsatisfying yeah um so uh yeah uh, Hart Mackenzie Serlington appears in the book Divided Heart Queens of Kings book two and it looks like a second chance romance uh, she broke his heart to rebuild his soul that sounds unsettling <laughs> that sounds like she's making uh, decisions for someone that they should be making for themselves uh, speaking of, there's a moment where Oshun realizes that it is Seth Stein who betrayed them. And she knows that she, and she and Masaki at this point have had a conversation of no more secrets. We just can't keep secrets. But then she's like, if I tell him he's going to fly off the handle and go and get himself killed. 
so I shouldn't tell him. And then, of course, he finds out through his own means, and he's like, I understand why she didn't tell me. That was smart of her to do, but I'm also pissed off about it because we said no more secrets and she's keeping a secret. And I thought that whole thing was handled well. Like, it was interesting. And, like, there's so many of these books where people keep secrets for no fucking reason. But, like, the fact that she kept that secret felt well-motivated. Yeah. I totally bought it. Anyway, so we find out that Seth Stein (laughs) did all this. Because if he destabilizes Oshun and Masaki's hold on the area, he can, like, sell some land for a shit ton of money. And on the one hand, I'm like, this is dumb. On the other hand, I'm like, I'm sure this exact thing happens all the time. (laughs) But then there was another point that he was like, oh, and then I'll be put in charge of the local Yakuza. I'm like, okay, Mr. Seth Stein, you are not going to be put in charge of the Yakuza. I hate to tell you. I'm I'm making assumptions, but I think it's safe to assume he is not Japanese. <laughs> and if there's one thing about the Yakuza, famously, they are Japanese. <laughs> famously. Famously. So I don't think his 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 plan was well thought through. But then I also, as as someone who lives in a very expensive city, I appreciate like, oh yeah, someone would definitely commit murder to be able to sell a big plot of land for a shit ton of money. Oh, no, 100%. I was like, yeah, no, he wants to get rid of these criminals so he can genderfy everything. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's his plan. That so the villain was gentrification. The whole time. <laughs> the whole time. Um, And I think that's... All I had to say. Oh, there was one other moment that I wanted to bring up. There was a he didn't know why moment. Uh, so there's a point where Oshun is like comforting him or something. And then it says in the narrative, he didn't know why, but whenever she took the time to touch him, it calmed him, eased the natural paranoia he carried like a second skin. And like, Oh, well, obviously you were not loved by your mother as a child and nobody ever touched you. Like, what? <laughs> it was it was bizarre. And then uh, you know, just, he didn't know why because we see those all the time. And it's like, oh, well, no, this is more about his childhood than like how great Oshun is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Red flags. Um, but yeah, that was Betting the Enemy by Laquette. Are you ready? Are you ready? Um so Neil, are you ready yes. to play? I am ready to Let's play. play. Fuck Mary Kill. Fuck Mary Kill. You go first. Okay. Um. Okay, Claire. Mm-hmm. I might do two, but my first one is Fuck Mary Kill, Masaki, Oshun, and Chris. Who, <gasps> while he is an FBI agent, he was involved in crimes, so he is technically a criminal. So are three yes. criminals. Okay, so, um, ooh, well, 
I'm going to marry Misaki mm-hmm. because there is a great moment where he says to her, sit on my face. And I'm like, we don't get enough of that in these books. <laughs> I, yeah, I highlighted that. I was like, is this the first time a lady has sat on his face? And it's what I really enjoyed is before that, she was, I think she was blowing him. She was doing something and she was like, oh my God, I'm just like so desperate and thirsty and like what is that like Ma, but this is un- undoing my view of myself and then she sits on his face and then she's like oh I'm going to squirt all over him that's kind of embarrassing and he's like nope and just like holds her down so that he can be like nom, 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 nom. Yep. <laughs> and then it says like a man thirsty in the desert or something like that I'm like oh they're taking turns being super thirsty love it love, love it. it love it um, yeah and I mean but also he's rich and smart and knows what the fuck mm-hmm. he's doing and mm-hmm. seems interesting and like really cares for her like uh he comes up to her in the bar and says i love your dreadlocks and she says these are locks there's nothing dreadful about them <laughs> and he's like i stand corrected and i'm hot uh <laughs> and it makes me hot to be corrected so let's we're gonna fuck now and she's like yes we are (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then like later she's recuperating in the bed in the hospital and he's like her locks are all over the cotton pillow and that's bad for her hair she needs her satin pillow and her cap (laughs) you're adorable (laughs) yeah there's one point too where he offers to help her like retwist them and she's like Mm -hmm. do you remember how to do it it's like of course i do and he like she's sitting on the floor and he sits on the couch so that his legs are on other side and he helps her like retwist her locks and stuff and yeah that's very sweet and and it's just and he's like i remember everything important about you yeah and uh like, his, his mom might be a bitch because she never touched her kid so oh. obviously and he's also <laughs> so attached to her that other people are like that's the one to kill <laughs> mm-hmm. we want to hurt him but anyway i'm um, still i'm gonna marry him um and then uh i think i'm going to fuck Oshun because mm-hmm. I think she's great but I also think that's just what she wants she said it several times even she though so many times you know like that's what she wants and I think it'd be super fun and she's good at mm-hmm. it and we'd have a good time um, and so that means I'm going to kill Chris because he's a dum-dum <laughs> <laughs> he's a dummy dum-dum he's a dummy dum um, he's very hot he's like uh, seven foot tall or something and he's, 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 he, he's like he's a tree man fbi dude no that's fine we can kill him he's an undercover fbi ent <laughs> he's not and he's what six, about you neil he's six one there's a point where aiden's like he's he's taller than me and i'm six feet tall and then it says a little bit later he was an inch taller than me so it's like oh he's six one okay um <laughs> i would um, I think I'm going to fuck Chris. Um, there he, you know, like he he takes some time to to sort of get used to things, but then as he um gets into it, there's some scenes where he just like Aiden's like, "Give it to me hard, bro," and Chris is like, "Can do." And he does. <laughs> so I'll sign up for that. Um, and then I think I'm going to marry Oshun. Um, she is very smart, very community oriented. Um, 
yeah, she just seemed really great. She was also the, she was also the, I don't want to say the smarter of the two, but when her and Masaki were like trying to figure shit out, she was like, oh, we should do this. Here's why this should happen. Here's what I know about this. So like she, she's on her shit and I appreciate it. And then I'm going to kill Masaki. Not that I necessarily want to, but out of these options, like I don't, I don't want to deal with the flash anger. Like, yeah, that's I fair. Just, I just don't want that to to be a possibility of something to to come up. So I am gonna sad face stab Masaki. He he was great. That like he was he was def even though he had bouts of anger, he was way better than most of the men we read on this podcast. So one hundred percent. So I'm not happy about stabbing him, but I have to. Yeah. Yeah. And you, Cleo. <sighs> Um, all right. Are you ready? Yes. Um, fuck, Mary kill mm-hmm. heart, mm-hmm. Lucy, mm-hmm. uh, and the pairing of gray and Thomas, the police who were also cousins. They were, they were Aiden's cousins who were police. <laughs> all of I'm these gonna... are our police. They're all police. Yeah. I'm going to marry Lucy. <laughs> uh-huh she's the best she was there's a point where like so aiden couldn't get in touch with chris so he like found lucy and was like hey i haven't heard from chris and i'm kind of upset and i know you know what's going on between us so if you could and apparently lucy called chris and was like your husband's looking for you and he's like he's not my husband and just like listen i don't know what you're doing just get your shit together because i don't want your romance life washing up on me i love that get it girl get it girl so i'm gonna marry her um i'm gonna fuck uh gray and thomas who again are uh aiden's cousins and also police officers i will not fuck them at the same time But I'll fuck each of them. I bet we'll discover in the next couple books that they are great guys or dumb dums. Either way, <laughs> um, and then I'm gonna be hot dum dums. Pretty hot dum dums. And for a fuck, fine. Um, and then I'm gonna kill Captain Hart Mackenzie Serlington. She seemed s- s- great, but I know almost nothing about her. So, other than. <sighs> She goes to church and has a friend, quasi friend, frenemy who's a mob boss. Like that's literally all I know about her. <laughs> um, all the same choices, all the same choices from me. Um, like, uh, I also feel like of these, like, there's a good possibility that I still believe that cousins uh, Gray and Thomas, who are also police officers could also be on the take it just makes more sense that they're on the take it does um and all honestly hart is not a super clean police officer if she has decided (laughs) to just murder people on behalf of her friend who's a mob boss um lucy's the only one who seems super clean in all this but also like you know kind of you know all the cops in this are dumb including Gray and Thomas, who were Aiden's cousins and also cops. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah. Did you say what you were going to do with each of them or did I just completely zone out? I said same. Same as you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good. I was like, you're like giving reasons. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And then you stop talking and I was like, did I just have an aneurysm or did I? Okay. Um, 
Claire, I have an extra one. I haven't done this in a while. I have an extra one. Can we do it just for funsies? Let's do it. Okay. Claire, fuck, Mary kill. Mob boss, cat burglar, or a fixer? Ooh. I am 100% going to marry a fixer. That person, ah, they are a problem solver. and They, they are a problem solver, but they are also tortured. Every single one of them is tortured. <laughs> or does the torturing. <laughs> both. Both. They, they, for all of the torture that they induce, they themselves are tortured and haunted. Look, all I know is <laughs> I think a, a problem, like the difficulty of that relationship being that they're probably going to be on call. <laughs> So it's 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 gonna be a lot like being married to a doctor. You just don't know. Except that they do the opposite of what a doctor does. Yeah, true. But also, like, what if Mega I have doctor. problems that need fixing? Okay. Um, but no, I think I'll marry the fixer. Um, I'm going to have sex with the mob boss because I really don't think you need to be uh, too invested in the mob mm-hmm. boss. Like, I think you need to hit that and quit that. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the third one? Cat burglar. Oh, I'm going to kill the cat burglar. Um, oh. I don't I love a cat burglar. I think they're great. Um, out of these, I think they're low level, you know. But again, like, there's something about a fixer. Yeah, I may have... You, in your mind, is there a difference between a cat burglar and a cat thief? <laughs> um, I've never heard the term cat thief. Oh, okay. Except as a, as a thief of cats. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Okay. In that I feel like one is thieving one cats, cats and one is quietly okay. getting in and out of a place. I feel like I've heard... Uh, the phrase cat thief for like the people who steal like the big fancy diamonds from the museums or whatever. Anyway. Um, I've, I've never heard that term. Okay. I'm going to marry a cat burglar because I'll get jewels out of it. All right. Um, I'm going to fuck a fixer because I bet the actual sex will be a bit raucous and then there will be cuddling because they're so tortured that they're desperate for touch. They'll just be like, no, it's fine. They're there. They're there. They're, and they'll appreciate me. And then I'm going to kill the mob boss because I definitely don't, do not want to marry a bob, mob boss. And other than Oshuna Masaki, I bet fucking a mob boss is unbearable. <laughs> Even if they're hot, I bet they're super lazy in bed. I mean, the ones that we see on TV all the time, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, and of, out of all of the characters... Claire, mm-hmm. who are you going to fuck? Who are you going to marry? And who are you going to kill? Oh, man. Um, I am still going to marry Misaki and I am mm-hmm. going to fuck Oshun. And I am going to, I think, I'm going to kill Aiden. Okay. Because <laughs> of all the dum-dums, he was the dum-dummiest. <laughs> he was the dummiest <laughs> of dum-dums. I mean, he was a sweet guy. I mean, you know, oh, like honestly like as far as characters characters go like he was a sweet guy they like aiden and chris are good people um in the book like they they care about other people they actually don't want to see anybody hurt not even the other mob people who they refer Mm -hmm. to as henchmen like they just want to bring criminals down and 
they are going after the criminaliest of criminals and they care about the people around them and they're sweet and good natured and they love mm-hmm. each other very much. Like there's really nothing wrong with them as characters. It's just like it was there was just bad like bad police stuff was happening in this. Like <laughs> that just didn't make sense. And there like are, there are a lot of Aiden, times Aiden is like, I've done my one week in undercover. Now I have to like now I'll you know, I did it. I was like, you didn't do anything. <laughs> like nothing happened. There were a lot of times too where Aiden be like, here's my cover story. And right away I'd be like, that doesn't make sense because of this. And then Chris would be like, that doesn't make sense because of this exact same thing that Neil thought. And then Aiden would have to cover for it. And it was just like, yeah. Well, happening? and also Aiden brought Chris home to his real home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it wasn't like a fake apartment they had set up for him. It was his real home. Mm-hmm. And I just kept thinking, Chris is a dum dum because you would look, take one look around that place and go, this guy's lived here for a long time. <laughs> like, he's lived here a long time, and he's obviously a cop. <laughs> Like, surely there's a a police academy graduation picture somewhere. Oh, God. Like, his cop stuff has got to be just out. Yeah, he's probably not terribly clean. Anyway, like... Maybe he cleans a lot because of all the sugary coffee he drinks. Oh, he has so much sugary coffee. So much sugary coffee. Uh, Yeah, anyway, that's my choices. And Neil. Great. Um, Fuck is hard for me this time around. I think I'm going to fuck Masaki. And or Oshun. Either one. They both seem great and good at it. So, yeah, why not? Um, I'm going to marry Lucy. Just because she was a sassy lady in charge. And, like, that's all I want in life. Um, and I'm going to kill Seth. Not only because he was a villain, but because he was willing to send a neighborhood back into poverty just to sell some land and make some money. <laughs> So he was like, like maliciously gentrifying a neighborhood. Yes. So that does, that shall not stand. So he's dying. Now let's do the books, Neil. Yes. Uh, um, I'm gonna fuck both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Listen, listen. <laughs> uh, Steel Hearts had its problems. But it was it was it was fine. It was enjoyable. Um, it was okay. It, it, it wasn't bad enough that I want to kill it. Um, and then uh, betting the enemy disappointed me in that they did not have them going to ground together and having to like use back channels to figure out who the mole was and all of that. I was so excited for that, and it didn't happen. Which is probably my... I mean, that's my fault. That's my fault for having expectations. Um, but they were great. The tension in their relationship was great. The, the plot could have used work, but the their relationship was well done. And, like, I bought the tension and all of their motivations for doing the things that they did. Like, it all made sense. I really appreciated that, like, the thing that brought them together is like, oh, we're both criminals that makes it easier for us to be together instead of like one of them having to like give up a life of crime or whatever which do do that everyone go stop being criminals unless it's like to fuck over capitalism then fine whatever um 
But I was like kind of half expecting that to be the moral of the story of like, oh, we'll give it up for each other because then we're safe. But I liked narratively that it's like, oh, no, we don't have to stop being who we are. And in fact, because we are who we are makes us good for each other, makes us fit. So I appreciated that. Um, So, yeah, that's why I'm going to fuck it. And um, it's going to get real thirsty because that's how that book goes. (laughs) What about you, Claire? um, yeah, I think I'm going to fuck betting the enemy. <clears throat> it wasn't, um, it also disappointed me in some pretty key ways, but man, it was fucking sexy and that was <laughs> enjoyable. Um, and I really did like the characters and, um, I enjoyed it. Uh, I think I am going to kill Steel Hearts. Uh, I didn't really enjoy it as much. Like, um, uh, I did enjoy like the stupid parts yeah i think i enjoyed it the way that you enjoy a like farce yeah but that wasn't its intention yeah so not my favorite thing so it was fine but i'm gonna go ahead and uh i'm gonna kill it um i feel it's funny that even though you know uh, betting the enemy ends with we'll kill them all so often um <laughs> i like that it's like we're not killing them all <laughs> yeah. something else sorry really fast that i appreciated about steel heart is there was lube there were condoms and then also every time they had sex it like started with um chris needing to like you know finger aiden to sort of loosen him up a bit and like Aiden was like, I'm going to set the pace of this. And Chris is like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. So I appreciated that. And then also the image of him having his arms up the pant legs. <laughs> so silly to me. Uh, yeah, I liked it for the wrong reasons a lot of times. So sorry. But anyway. Great. Well, is it time for our favorite game? It's time for our favorite game. Christine. Yes. So this one's going to be really easy. Great. Because <laughs> the theme is in the title. So what we could do is I could just give, because one title totally gives it away and one title doesn't. I could give you the title that doesn't give it away if you want to play Christine Guess, or I can just say both of them. Give me the one that doesn't give it away. Okay, great. Yeah. One of the books that we are reading the one whose title does not give away the theme is Bragan Rights by Kenna White. I'm going to say uh, uh, competitive weightlifting. No, but now I wish that were the theme. <laughs> <laughs> it rhymes with dragon, so part of me is like, ooh, is there dragons involved? Bragan Rights, Marion and a dragon. <laughs> 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 I think <laughs> you're like, well, it should rhyme, obviously. <laughs> Book titles have to rhyme with the thing that they are about. That is a law. <laughs> mm, what else do you get bragging rights for? And again, it's not the bake off, right? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> one day. One day. One day. One day. Um goodness. Uh I still think it's I mean it's something athletic, I imagine, right? Um Is that what you get bragging rights for? Must be athletic. 
to do the thing that happens in the theme. I, <laughs> if I give more specifics, that will like sort of lead you anyway. Um, but it's not a professional athlete or a professional sport of any kind. Oh, okay. Because I was thinking marathon runners, not marathon runners. No. Okay. Is it it's like not a, a sport? Oh, marathon runners. Yeah, I know. I was like, obviously That's not. Because that is like. <laughs> Um, it's not like, is it paintball? It is not paintball. Uh, okay. That would also be fun. Is it like a she's all that situation? Like a Pygmalion thing? No. And I am never going to pick that. I always <laughs> hate those stories. I'm never going to pick that. Ugh. Um, I think I might be out of ideas. Okay. Do you have any more guesses, Claire? No. Okay, so I will remind you of this title and then also read the other title. So next time we are reading Bragging Rights by Kenna White and Crazy for the Cowboy <gasps> by Cindy Spencer Pape. Oh, cowboys! It is cowboys. Cowboys! Yeah. I I stumbled on these books. I had certain criteria that I used to pick them on top of our normal criteria, and I was like. Surely we've done cowboys. Surely. Yeah. I was like, oh, there's the one with the rancher. No, that wasn't the theme. Mm-hmm. So the, th- the theme has never been. We've had cowboys and ranchers, but we've that has never been the theme. Oh. So I'm very excited. And I'm even more excited because Bragging Rights is about lady cowboys. <gasps> lady cowboys. Wow. So I guess the theme is cow persons. <laughs> cow Which people. also sounds like something else. Yeah. It's like cow centaurs. What? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, so yikes. Cow, cowboys and cow women, which also sounds gross. Uh, cow pokes. Cow pokes. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Cow, cow folks. <laughs> anyway, so that's the theme for next time. <laughs> Yay. I'm Yay. super excited. I am as well. Uh, well, thank you very much, Claire. No, thank you, Neil. Thank you, Christine. Thank you. Thank you so much, Christine. Oh, thank you, authors. Thank you so much, authors. Oh, God, I love it when somebody in your book says, sit on my face. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if any romance authors are listening, just have somebody sit on somebody's face in all of your books. And yeah. Claire will be happy. I'll be happy too. I I love it. It's more sixty nines, by the way. More sixty nines. You sounded a little New Mexico there. I know I did. It just came out. <laughs> um, great. And listeners, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, listeners, for coming and enjoying and you know playing us in your car while you're in traffic or while you're on that treadmill or while you're while you're doing your laundry please uh if you like what we do please tell your friends rate review subscribe all of that good stuff um and if you want to give us a little extra love patreon.com slash fmk lit pod and this is the point where i say extra special thanks to our patreon patrons you're the best the best. The best. And I think that's all we have to say. Otherwise, or other than, if you can do so safely. Consensually. 
with somebody sitting on your face. <laughs> and and it could be a cop who's pretending to be in the mob or someone in the mob pretending to be a cop. <laughs> and you're in a safe house. Then by all means, keep, keep.